Hey, welcome to the Creative Career Starter Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lyons, and I'm really happy you've joined us. Today's podcast is part two of our conversation with Chris Patesca. Chris has a wealth of experience in this industry, and if you listen to the last podcast, he went into detail about where he's been and where the industry is now. So what I'd love to talk about in this next installment is where he thinks the creative industry is headed and how young creative talent can position themselves to take full advantage of it. So Chris, where is the creative industry headed? The best part of that answer is that I don't think anybody knows, which sounds daunting and scary and undefined, but I think it's really exciting because when people don't know, they look different places for solutions. And that's when innovation happens, not to abuse the word. Um, I think with the realities of this past year and of um, you know the industry itself changing dramatically, I think there's a lot of things to be defined. Um, and that's a really great thing because as a young person, you can help define it. Um, and I think you know, the unknown is scary in a lot of ways, but it also means people are desperately looking for answers. And that means anybody with talent and energy has an opportunity. So as always in my job as a teacher and as the uh, owner of the Creative Career Starter podcast, I always ask it in the context of what skills will need to be developed by our young listeners to take full advantage of what's coming. What do you think? Empathy, without a doubt. And I know that's a a quote-unquote soft skill, but... The I think the demand for for visual medium is only going to increase. Every single thing we do day in day out is visually driven. Um, so broadening skill sets that make you more capable. Like it used to be that you were an illustrator, you were a designer who could sketch a little bit maybe, but you went to an illustrator or photographer. I think being a sort of complex or diversely talented person is only going to continue to reward and how you identify yourself is based on the opportunity. Titling yourself is the old way of doing it. I think more than ever, it's here's the things I can do. And for this role or this opportunity, you're looking for this. I can do that. And here's what else I can do. Soft skills, though, empathy and, you know, the world's a desperate need of it. And because of that, I think understanding where people are, whether it's a company you're working with in a, you know, an immediate manager and or a consumer. Those are the skills, like being able to demonstrate and understand what it's like to be somebody else. Um, that's, that's what really marketing should be. It should be communication based on a you know, understood need. And now more than ever, um, which is why you know, influencers are a really important thing. It's not just because that's where people's attention are. It's because they understand their audiences in a way that brands really don't. And so they do the communication. What surprised me um, with this business that I'm I'm creating a creative career starter. I, I've, I've been approached by a number of young creative people from all over the country, colleges all over the place, who are looking to expand their skills to become more than just designers in their minds. And yeah. I'm, I'm an illustrator by trade, and the emphasis has really been upon learning illustration skills as designers so that they can fully express things that they, they want to express on behalf of their clients. I'm fascinated by that. I'm, and yeah. you know, in that regard, I, I've been learning After Effects to start making my illustrations more dynamic. But I see, Amazing. It's been great. Boy, that's a complicated piece of software. <laughs> uh, 
but once once you once you crack the nut, it becomes really fun to work with. But I'm seeing this now in young designers who don't want to be pigeonholed as a graphic designer. They want to yeah. be more versatile and more broad. I, I think that's that's completely reasonable. I, the the speed at which the world moves, and which digital content moves, and communication moves. I think the old structure, particularly you find at agencies where it's, here's your silo, these are your skill sets, here's what you do. These compartmentalized sort of uh, approaches to job and title and position are, are, aren't able to keep up with reality today. So being a designer who can illustrate and sketch, like there, there's very few compartmentalized needs in the creative field anymore. You know, it, it's, it's hardly ever enough to be a copywriter who can't imagine the visuals attached to what the story they're telling mm-hmm. and we're you know we're complex people and it just these the old structure tended to ignore that complexity and it said here's what you're best at do this and probably only this don't step outside of this because that's somebody else's territory i think now it's like wow if you can design and you can communicate great and i've always i've always been sort of high in valuing the ability to write regardless of job position uh even beyond creative arts it's just Having the ability to articulate your thoughts in any medium, I think, is super important. And it seems like the world is catching on to that. It's having a multifaceted and multi-talented person is so much more valuable, and it pro- provides you know flexibility to to the challenges you don't know how to meet yet. So um, yeah. I think it's just natural. When I when I was running an agency back in the day in the late '90s, early aughts, if I had an art director who could come up with a headline. Oh my God, that was gold. That was <laughs> yeah. gold, and it was rare because people just didn't think that way. Now, to your point, I really think people are broadening their skills to the point where almost everybody has their own little agency in a can. It's a little give and take. I think it's when you're trained to be just an art director, you go hard on those skills that serve being an art director, um, especially when you aspire. I want to be an art director. You kind of, you know, it's like any muscle. If you don't use it or don't exercise it or don't strengthen it, you know, it's weak. And I think nowadays it's the the access to education in the creative field, um, you know, through through different medium, whether it's YouTube or something else, is sort of infinitely abundant. So, you know, there's there's no reason to hold back your interests and your curiosities, and because of that, you're you're finding uh, creative talent that's much more complex naturally. And why would you bottle up any aspect of that? You and I had a fascinating conversation last year about Disney and the data collection on site in Orlando. And how that translated into immediate user experience responses. It was amazing. Where do young designers fit in that scenario? I mean, you were a graphic design major, Chris. Once, a long time ago. (laughs) There's an expectation today that the world will respond to you. Disney is brilliant because they've always sort of surprised and delighted as a core part of their experience and offering. And for the first time in, you know, the recent, call it decade, but even shorter, they they're not competing with expectations they can't you know they can't keep up with in a certain way so they have to find their own version of solving it people used to come in for like i've never seen this before and now you can see anything you want on your smartphone including the stuff at disney in an instant before you walk in so the idea of like bottled magic that you pay a toll to um is no longer sort of serving their company so they have to find other ways that provide a human experience and Disney has doubled down on anticipation. So it's no accident that somebody's there when you're, you know, it happened to us. Our daughter got sick to her stomach and had a, a fortunate accident in one of the resorts last year. And in a heartbeat, it wasn't about the mess. It wasn't about anything else. It was a cast member on her knees handing my daughter a Mickey plush that 
you know, probably cost them pennies, but to her, it was, I'm no longer embarrassed and scared and sad. This person has given me a Mickey. And meanwhile, all of a sudden the, the mess is gone. Uh, <laughs> cast member cleaned it up. And that human experience was made. That was the magic. Mm-hmm. Um, so Disney's down, doubled down on their greatest assets, um, which are the people to leverage the idea of surprise and delight. And, um, yeah, so I, I think what that tells me is that being human and being a good human and a thoughtful human and realizing that experiences come from compelling interaction, um, is a really important thing. And that's why, like, I was a graphic designer by, by education and really by trade, but very rapidly I realized, you know, we're all living an experience day to day. It's like, are we aware of our own? Are we aware of others' experiences? And I guess that's what empathy is. But I think it's it's super important to sort of consider beyond a, a series of visuals and a single point of interaction. Like, where are you coming from? Where are you going? And that's some of the work I've loved doing with Disney is they were curious, like, what's it like to anticipate coming to the park? What happens after you leave? Like, we, we own the experience once you're here, but what's everything leading up and beyond it? All right, so so we've all battled through this past year, and we'll continue, it looks like, for the foreseeable future. But what lasting effects of the pandemic will remain in the creative industry? Are there, are there good things to pull out of this? I think very much so. I think it's shown that patterns of doing things, the way things were done, um, in, you know, in any aspect of life, that's a dangerous thing. When you get into patterns, um, change becomes scary, even when it's necessary. Um, this year has made everybody change in some way. In some ways, it's been very hard on a lot of people. But in the creative, I think, field, it's required, you know, an industry that tends to overwork people and um, underserve their their outside wellness. It sort of forced them to say, you know, maybe we, we, we can't enforce that now. So what, what are these people? How do we get the best work out of people who we can't control by a social pressure of a schedule or of you know, time in office. And I think it's, it's opened up a reconsideration of what it means to be human in a, in sort of a field of creative and entertainment that can sometimes not because everything has to serve the product and the end results. And, you know, the, the reality is you have people who are happier. They tend to be more invested in what they're doing and produce better work, I believe anyway. Um, so I think humanity coming back to the creative field in a strong way, uh, flexibility, realizing that some people work better from different circumstances and not everybody, you know, there's always been this, this argument about like open office, uh, versus you know, cubicles, privacy versus right. chaos. And what this has shown is that like, there is no single solution. You know, it, it, people work differently. Sometimes the couch is best. Sometimes people need to go lock themselves in the closet, um, at home. And I think coming out of this, there'll be so much more flexibility with, with travel, with, where I need to be to do my job best. Uh, but more importantly, the industry listening to people and saying, okay, what do you need to do your best work? Because we've, we've all come to terms with the fact that it's not, you know, something you can prescribe to a group of people and have it be universal. Yeah. And I think it's, it's borne out in the numbers. The agency people I've spoken with said people are much more productive working from home than they were working in the office. There's no, there's no distractions. They're, They're working on their own terms. I haven't put a belt on in nine months. That's really yeah, that's awesome. And my son, I actually thought about that. I guess I haven't either. Right? Well, I know we call them hard clothes now, and we have to put on real pants. Um, My my son, who works in the agency world in New York, has he and his friends claim this has been their best year ever because they're all working remote now. So they've been bouncing around this country, going wherever they want to go, renting places. On you know, there's a group of six, and they 
they're staying at a place in Scottsdale right now on a golf course. Wow. They get up and they do their work, and then they go play golf. At the, at the end of the day, it's and they're still doing their work, and they're they're doing you know tough work and and engaged in it and productive. But it's on their terms now. They don't have to take the subway down to Trade Center and you know lose an hour every day, and the grind of that is gone. And as a result, they're really enjoying their work much more now. Imagine that you, you don't have to choose the place where you live based on the circumstances of your job, but rather you can maybe be where you want to be. Like that's a, it's starting off on the right foot. It's saying I can be a happier person and which always as a baseline, if you're a happier person and you have more freedom to make decisions um, and try things, you know, it's, I think about that a lot because like in, in New York, it's your, one of the reasons we had some perks to help people land was because if you're not from New York, your your best bet is to not hate your first apartment. Like you're landing, <laughs> you don't know where you're going, you don't know neighborhoods that well, and even if you do, it's just a gambit of like, do I get a place I can afford slash is it the worst? Like you just don't know. And it takes a couple places um, to, to figure out what you actually need and want. And that is also circumstantial to where your job is commute wise. If you can remove all of that, you're like, I know exactly where I want to work or if it's not good, I'm going to, you know, Airbnb for the next month and a half and figure out where I want to live. Imagine the happiness differential by not risking your, you know, your shelter being an unhappy place. It's like astonishing. Just, but yeah. My son would not have been able to move to New York if my daughter hadn't already lived there because he stayed with her for three months while he interviewed and found a job. Now I'm seeing with my, my recent grads, they, they're just going after jobs. It doesn't matter where the job is because they're all working remotely. And I think yeah. what, what that, there's a liberation to that, which I think is astonishing. It's breaking old patterns. It used to be, and we had, it's funny because people would lie to us sometimes. They'd say, oh yeah, I'm in New York. And it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, but I can start in three weeks because I'm coming from Minneapolis after you make an offer. It's like, good for you. Because you recognize this bad stere- this bad pressure of like, oh, if you're not here, you're not going to get here fast enough. But the truth is, if you're hiring somebody in New York, they want to get there fast enough either. There's always time it takes to get on board and do stuff. And But there's always been a prejudice against people who are not immediately on hand, uh, especially in cities like New York. But I think that's absolutely been flipped upside down in a healthy way. Yeah, I hope so. So I, I just want to end this wonderful conversation with you. And thank you so much for your time, Chris. Are, of you, are you optimistic about the future of design? I am. I honestly feel design has more value. Communication, if anything this year has taught us, is communication has more value. Clarity of communication, empathy of communication. And design, you know, design thinking, critical thinking, all of the things that come along with design is important to humanity as they've ever been probably more. I think it's going to take a huge amount of very thoughtful design centric thinking really and design centric work to help guide every aspect of life into a better place. And to me, it's like, you know, it it now matters more than it ever did. I think it's easy to come out of school in the past and sort of say, okay, I'm going to go to this or this. And it's more about you. I, I honestly feel like design matters to the world. Um, not to get too lofty, but in a way that it's, uh, you know, at, at a level that it never has, maybe. Well, we, as, as creative people, we inform, we delight, we persuade, and the immediacy with which, I, I remember yes. um, doing work for Xerox back in the 90s, and we would have an ad concept that would get tested and and go through the ringer. They used to, I can't remember what, there used to be a process they called starch testing, and it would take a year from concept to delivery of that ad in the page of a magazine. And now it's it's the same day in some cases. 
That means, you know what that also says? It's more iterative. You can fail, like mistakes. Like, you imagine the pressure on somebody mm-hmm. like that ad that really has to serve. It has to be perfect and beautiful because it's been a year in the making. If it's mere hours, it's impossibly to be as precious about it. And that allows much more freedom for discovery, trial and error. And that means it's, it's not as binary as it good or bad. It's like, can we improve? And I think a lot of, in response to that sort of cadence and pace, a lot of the industry is shifting to expect, you know, creative thinking more than correct thinking right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Well, it also contributes to authenticity. Yeah. I mean, in an age when everything feels inauthentic, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of good to know that you can do, you can be more human about the work you do, right? Yeah, because yeah, you can mess up and you can correct it within minutes. <laughs> yep. Well, Chris, I can't thank you enough for joining me on the Creative Career Starter Podcast. What a treat to talk with you. Um, your oh, your you. insights are just so invaluable. I hope this inspires my audience, and I'm sure it will. Well, I hope it wasn't just gibberish if you're listening. Uh, thanks for staying this long. <laughs> uh, but no, this is wonderful. Thank you, Chris. It's an honor thank always you. to talk to you. Thank you, Chris. Many thanks to my guest, Chris Pateska, for the generous gift of his time and his insights. If you feel like you need help navigating the creative industry job field right now, I can help you. Send me an email to chris at creativecareerstarter.com and we can set up a free 30-minute conversation to help get you moving in the right direction. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.